0: Welcome to Powwow Life Podcast from Powwows.com, connecting you with Native culture since 1996. Here's your host, Paul Gowder. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Powwow Life Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Gowder, and welcome. Powwows.com is your place to come, learn, explore, experience, and connect with Native American culture. And this is the podcast of Powwows.com, where I get to interview Native people from all over North America and bring you the latest stories from Indian country. Today I've got an interview with Chef Piet, who just won Fox's new show, Next Level Chef. It's an incredible story of how she uses her culture in her recipes to really bring out unique flavors. Don't forget to listen at the end of the show. I'll have some announcements, this week's trivia question, and some other notes about what's going on. But for now, enjoy our interview with Chef Pierre. Watching the finale of the, of the show, Gordon Ramsay said something to you right before he announced you, Winner, that your background showed up in your cooking throughout the entire show. I mean, what does that mean to you? I mean, it, it gave me chills to hear him say something like that um, for an indigenous chef, but what does that mean for, to you and, and how did you bring your, your culture and your, and your heritage into your cooking?
1: You know, I think something that I've tried to do with my work the last couple of years is just to really try to represent myself um, and people like myself. And so kind of putting myself on the plate and, you know, to hear Gordon Ramsay say that that, you know, that was present and that he noticed and he acknowledged it to me was validation that I'm doing the right thing that, you know, I'm not just doing food that everybody wants to eat. I'm cooking food that I'm passionate about. And that makes sense to me. And I'm hoping to, you know, be a voice for people like myself that are fusions. Like there's a lot of people here, you know, in America that are now like this new generation of fusion people that come from different heritages, different backgrounds. And, you know, it means a lot you know, and I'm very proud to be somewhat of a voice for those people and to kind of present this new era of like fusion people, um, you know, to the forefront and to the culinary world. So, um, what I tried to do is take native food and mix it with Mexican food, because those are both of my heritages, and create like really bold, beautiful dishes. And I was able to do that with, you know, the brunch taco that I made in the competition. And that, one, that was my favorite dish because I had fry bread, I had chorizo, I had like the strawberry salsa. And it was just a, a phenomenal dish. It was great. Something that I'm actually going to put on my menu for my pop-up restaurants. So being able to bring those two heritages together and make these beautiful dishes that were validated by Gordon Ramsay is like, wow, super incredible.
0: Yeah, that was a heck of a compliment to, to give. Uh, it was really cool to see that. So let, let's back up. So how did you get into cooking? I mean, go ahead.
1: One more, I'm so sorry. I have to let my cat outside. <laughs> no problem. OK, sorry. I have a cat. I a cat <clears throat>
0: can't. No problem. Um, all right. So let's back up. And how did you get into cooking And and where where are you from? What you know, what is your background?
1: So I am. Um, I was born in Oklahoma, and my really early childhood was raised on Osage Reservation in Pawhuska, Oklahoma, and then was moved to Kansas, where most of all of my family is from, and grew up in Kansas the majority of my life. And my heritage background is Native American, so I'm the mem- a member of the Prairie Bend Potawatomi Nation. And we also have sack and fox um, blood in our family. And on my dad's side, my dad is Mexican-American. So his mother is uh, American-French, um, Spanish-French descent. And then his father is from Mexico. So I grew up with, um, and my last name is Despain, which is the most Spanish-French I could possibly get. So I'm a fusion of all of these you know, cultures and these things. But I grew up, you know, very much so within the native um you know native ceremony and traditions and learning a lot about that and kind of being engulfed into that heritage and that culture. So um how I decided that you know how I got into cooking initially was just taking my experiences growing up with these two cultures that value food and and food is a sense of you know community. It brings community together, it brings families together. And so, you know, food was always a celebratory, you know, thing. Like you, you make a dinner and everyone's like together eating at the same table. And on my dad's side, that's where everyone loves to cook. So my grandmother owned a restaurant called Tres Fueras, which was Mexican food. And then I had two uncles that owned like Zacaria, Cantina type of restaurants. And so I grew up with this family that has this passion and love for food to the point that like so much they were investing their life savings into these restaurants because that's how how much we love food as a family so i grew up around people that just love food valued food and i've been cooking you know pretty much my whole life and our family if you are old enough to join the assembly line of making tamales then you're there making tamales with everybody and then you know it's something you're doing with the family and then you guys get to all enjoy it together and talk about what you would do differently or maybe the salsa this time was perfect. And last year it was, you know, not as good or that the meat is drier this year. Like, what did we do different? So just being raised in that environment of, you know, people that love food, analyze food, we're super competitive with food and we have such a big family. So everyone has to contribute to the meal somehow or another. And then on my, on my mother's side, my grandmother, she's um, full blood native, but she does not know how to cook. So the two things that she did know how to cook, she did teach me, which was corn soup and fry bread. So she taught me those two things. And of course, corn soup is a major pillar in indigenous food and native uh, culture. So there's a lot of cool stories behind corn soup and everyone has their own recipes. And so I always thought that was really neat. And then, of course, you have powwows where you have. You know, the meat pies and fry breads and different stews and all the, the chili dogs, the corn dogs, even though that those are not native foods, it's still something that we enjoy while we're there. experiencing. Oh, yeah. yeah, like we're still there experiencing it and loving it. And so I think those were the, the major pillars of my life, like just having that heritage um, really contribute to my love for food. But I went to culinary school uh, later on in life in my early 20s. And I was actually working in the automotive industry before I got into cooking full time. And I did great. I made great money, but there was just always something missing. And I think that something missing was I was actually in the wrong field of work. You know, I needed to be in the kitchen. And so um, I really just started cooking and as a hobby and learning about different cooking techniques and learning about different cuisines. And then finally it clicked. I was like, oh, I should probably go to culinary school and see what my options are. So um, that's really how the journey began.
0: And w- when did you go to culinary school? How long ago was that?
1: I went when I was twenty-three, so about seven, eight years ago.
0: Okay. And, and they talked about you were on the on the show, you know, they you as the social media chef, you know, and you yeah. kind of came up doing things online. So, yeah, talk a little bit about you know how I guess the the, the new way we do things with TikTok and Instagram and all that. How did that affect you as a chef?
1: So it actually benefited me tremendously during COVID because I was doing, you know, there's a part of my journey where I talk about homelessness and experiencing, you know, kind of couch surfing here in Los Angeles. And it was pretty hard time for me just to, and it was kind of like, you know, at the time embarrassing because I had to ask people to like stay at their homes and use their showers. And I have a cat with me and I'm not only is it me, but it's me and my cat. And so it was a very tough situation to be in because, you know, people, not everybody likes cats and it just like, I felt so uncomfortable, but um, I ended up losing my jobs because I was a uh, cooking. I was teaching cooking classes at this culinary school, this culinary school that sold um, culinary um, like equipment and, and different like knives and cooking pans and, um, all of like the cool stuff, the cool gadgets. And they had this little classroom off to the side where they were teaching cooking classes to the public. And so people would go there like, you know, religiously every week and try to learn something new. And so it wasn't necessarily a cooking school, but it was, you know, cooking classes. So I actually was working there and then the pandemic hit and we, the business actually closed and got bought out by another company. So we had no jobs. Anyone that worked there for that company, we had no jobs. We lost our jobs. So I reverted to using social media as a way to connect with clients and customers. And I started teaching online Zoom cooking classes. And I was putting together these food boxes where I would pre-measure out all the ingredients and either ship it to the client or I would go drop it off at their door. So that way they'd have the recipe packets. They had all the food and they didn't have an excess amount of food. They had the right amount of ingredients for everything. And so I started, you know, doing that and I was hosting live cooking, um, live cooking Instagram lessons and was teaching people how to do different things online. So that's what really sparked um, a lot of people's interest in learning about, you know, the type of food that I was cooking or just learning things in general. And I began to really developing a following after I was featured on Buzzfeed for indigenous recipes. And so it worked for my advantage. Uh, I later on, you know, ended up becoming a traveling private chef, which is uh, why I stopped doing a lot of the social media stuff because I was busy, you know, traveling and, and I was like cooking on boats and doing all the really cool things. But, you know, being labeled as a social media chef, at first, I was like, that's a negative thing. I'm like, I'm not just a social media chef. I went to school. I'm a professional, but it actually, it's not a bad, you know, it's a label to have at all. Um, because I think that you can reach so many people with social media, which is great. I, it really benefited me.
0: It, um, yeah, it, and COVID did a lot of bad things, but you, you hear these stories more and more of, of, entrepreneurs really taking and seizing the opportunity and making something out of it. So that's awesome that, that it worked out for you. Uh, have you always been a fan of, of cooking Competition shows. I know you mentioned your family's competitive, but is this, I mean, like, are you a diehard, you know, chop fan or whatever? And, and, and you know, so how did you get to the show?
1: So I actually watched Master Chef and I've watched Chopped. And I'm like, oh, that'd be so cool to be on one of those shows. I ended up having one of my my close friends, uh, he entered me into the Master Chef um, competition like many years ago when I first moved to Los Angeles, like you need to be on TV. Like we need to make this happen. So like he secretly behind my back went and submitted an application on my behalf. <laughs> and I was like, are you joking? Like, did you really do that? He goes, yes, I did. Did they call you? And I'm like, no. So they never casted me. So he, my friend is one that also planted that seed. And I was like, man, maybe I should, you know, apply for some cooking shows and see what happens. Um, I didn't get casted for anything until later on, um, one of the casting directors or casting crew members called me and said, we got your information from a, um, submission to master chef, but this is a different, like Gordon Ramsay cooking show. It's called hell's kitchen. Like, do you want to interview for it? So I interviewed, I ended up getting casted, but I didn't take the, 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 the opportunity. I was too afraid at the time. I also didn't think that it was a good fit for my skill set. Being a private chef, I would be going up against people that worked in the food industry for years as line cooks. And all these people are there to win an opportunity to go cook for Gordon Ramsay as a chef in one of his restaurants. And I was just like, you know, great. The exposure would be would be cool, but I don't think that that's for me. And I don't want to take up a. space take up space for someone else if that's what their goal and their dream is. So I ended up passing up that opportunity. They then did the same thing and took my information, sent it over to the new casting directors and casting team for, you know, next level chef. And then the rest is history. So I actually barely made the cut for their casting for this season because they had three chefs that dropped out one week before they started um, filming. Wow they were kind of scrambling to find quote unquote social media chefs. And they were like, this is a social media chef. Like we need to interview her. They called me, we interviewed the same day, the next day they're like, okay, great. We're going to put you through the entire process of, you know, applying for the show. You have have to go through like a psychiatric evaluation. You have to go through like all of these things, background check. And then they called me, you know, four days later and said, okay, you're going to Las Vegas, pack up your bags. And I'm like, wait, (laughs) when am I going? They're like, you're leaving in four days. And I'm like, what? So everything was just like super quick and it's crazy. Like it all just kind of happened serendipitously, you know.
0: Sometimes that's just the way it happens, right? Yeah. yeah. Um. So as you've been developing your cooking over the years and and working through culinary school and, and online and everything else, who, who have been those, I guess, the chefs that, I guess, gave you inspiration? Are there some that you've looked up to?
1: Oh, definitely. I'm. I'm sure everyone's familiar with the name by now, but Sean Sherman, the Sioux chef, he's someone that is you know, has led the the pavement, have you know, it's like kind of put down the bricks on the pavement for all of us chefs to really explore his work and learn from him and also, you know, be able to develop our own um, skill set within our heritage as food and indigenous food. And so, I definitely like once he came out, which he's I feel more recent within the last past, you know, four or five or about four years that I've three, we'll say three years that I've known about him, but he's been doing his work for quite some time. But before him, I was really looking up, you know, to people like Anthony Bourdain that are just authentic like authentic. Authentic authentic. Is that the word I'm looking for? They're authentic. Yes. And they're just unapologetically themselves and the like he expresses the side of culinary world that's grimy and grudgy and dirty and dark. And I really appreciate that about him. And he's over here is traveling the world and allowing us viewers for his show parts unknown, allowing viewers to see a part of the world that we would know we wouldn't be exposed to had it not been from him going into those places. And so he really sparked an interest in me to really want to explore native communities and culture and, Kind of I have a goal to be able to shine a light on, on on that as well as like what it's actually like on reservations because people, the world doesn't know. They think that we still live in teepees and there it's kind of an ignorant um perception that they have indigenous people. And so I would love to shine a light on like current day Native people and just really celebrate the lives and the culture of Native people. So those two specifically, but I mean, there's people that I've had in my life, like personable, um, that I've had experience cooking with. And one was my friend, Nakia, um, she's, a, a, an African-American woman and she's a chef and just like, she's such a strong person and she has like, you know, very strong family core values and she's super knowledgeable and an amazing chef. So these are people that along the way that I've, you know, that I've looked up to and that have inspired me to go over and beyond and, and say, you know, I think I want to be the voice of people like myself, which I feel like is a brave and courageous thing to do because, you know, I haven't always been super confident and, you know, there's growing up multicultural, you don't know, you know, where you fit in. Am I, I'm not native enough. I don't speak the language. I don't look native. Um, I don't look Mexican either, but I'm not, I don't speak Spanish fluently. So it's like, you don't really fit in anywhere. So I, I had that struggle growing up and now, and as adult, I can be proud and celebrate both of my heritage and say, "I don't have to look a certain way to be this or be that. I, I am just myself, and i'm a, I'm kind of like a new generation of fusion of people.
0: Uh, I love that, yes. And being yourself is 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 the key. that's that's great. I love that. Um, all right. so for people like myself who struggle just to follow the recipe uh, on the you know on the in the we would download online or whatever. What tips do you have for somebody like that to to become that next level, you know, uh, cooking and, and get get skills and and can jump outside of just downloading a recipe?
1: My suggestion is literally just one second. <laughs> like, this, this cat of mine. Oh yeah. yeah. Hold on. Okay, sorry. She's she's normally not this crazy, but she's I've been on a lot of interviews. She's like, pay attention to me. Um, Okay, what was the question again? I'm so sorry.
0: Oh, yeah. For people like me that are struggling. Yeah. What's what's the tips you have for that?
1: So my recommendation and suggestions are to literally just get in the kitchen and just start doing things, you know, like just explore And you're not going to obviously know what to do right away before you try to take on like a super hard recipe that's like, you know, has 10,000 ingredients, just explore different things, like trying different spices together, or, you know, you have to start somewhere and it's okay that if you burn things a few times, because even professional chefs, we still burn things. And, um, if it's something, you know, really wanting to learn how to cook, you know, practice and repetition is going to be your best friend. So when you cook, you know, chicken, for instance, um, try cooking it at different temperatures for different times. Make sure you have like one of those little thermometer, right. uh, meat thermometer, so you can make sure your chicken's cooked all the way through. So that's a major tip is like buy yourself a thermometer. Cause people are like, how do I, you know, cook the perfect steak? And it's all about timing, and then you know check the temperature, and you can stop timing yourself when you hit the the right temperature that you want, or the right um, cook that you want on your steaks. But um, definitely, just get in the kitchen, just start throwing things around, and see what you come up with, and try out different flavors. And so buy yourself some spices or some herbs or things that you're not used to, and just try them, and then find recipes revolved around those flavors that you like. So, for instance, if you're huge on basil and you love basil you can then Google, you know, recipes that have basil in it and tons of things will come up and just, I would just, you know, just start from scratch basically and, and get familiar with those flavors. And, and then once you get the flavors down, the techniques come, you know, so now that you have a flavor profile, like, oh, this is, this is the type of food I like to make. And I'm familiar with these spices. Then you can then go into, you know, techniques of cooking different, um, you know, different methods. And then you know, then the recipes become easier. So you know, little by little, step by step, just try things a little bit here and there, and slowly you'll get you'll get better.
0: Thanks, and <laughs> I am not the best cook, but I, I try sometimes. Um, uh, so what now? I mean, you, you this is a huge um, accomplishment, milestone, and you've got a great prize that you came that came out of this. So what now for you? Where are you heading?
1: So there is so much on the horizon right now. I I'm working on a few different projects and right now I'm really focused on connecting with the with the native community and really just firsthand hearing and seeing and experiencing the voices and the lives of indigenous people uh, of this country especially if I'm going to be someone that's the voice or representing um, my heritage is. I need to hear their voices and know exactly the struggles that they're going through because the life that I live here in Santa Monica is not the same life that some people are living across the nation. So, you know, how can I be a voice of people that I don't really know their lives? So, my goal is to tour the nation, um, visits different reservations and different Native communities, learn from the people, hear their voices, celebrate with them, um, have it be kind of like a give take opportunity for, you know, me to be there to obviously do acts of service and give back to the community. But also I want to learn from the people and I would learn different recipes that, you know, maybe I didn't grow up having or knowing different, learning different cooking techniques and just the stories of food and how important representation through food is for our people and just having those conversations. So that's definitely a project that I'm working on and it's going to be, you know, giving, the circumstances of COVID (laughs) luckily we are in a better place, you know, we're going into a better direction where things are opening up and the mask mandates are, you know, in some, some States are, you know, going away and we're actually able to conjugate as people again. So I'm really excited about that. So, um, and I have to get this funded. So having to like get this project funded and I would love to be able to document some of these experiences and share it with the world. So that way people can see, like, not just the negative side of the stories of indigenous people, you know, and not just hearing about the genocide. And I think like when you are, when people are constantly talking about the negative or the bad things that native people are facing it in a way, like weakens the spirit of our voices and we need to be talking about just as equally and just as much as the celebration of our culture and how how we are so uh, proud to be where we come from and how rich the, the culture actually is. And so my goal is to be able to shine a light on that. And then also like, I'm, you know, working on a cookbook. I'm working on a memoir because I have a crazy life that I've lived. I've probably lived a thousand lives in one. And I think I have a pretty unique story and just being able to say, just saying I'm a girl from Kansas that went to LA and became, you know, a winner of a Gordon Ramsay show that alone is like an inspiring story, but all of the little obstacles and things that I've experienced within my life, I think make that story even better. And I would love to share that with the world. And so we have cookbooks, we have a children's cookbook, we have a memoir, we have the project of touring the nation. So I've got my plate full, that's for sure. But I'm doing it all with dedication to really strengthening the voices of indigenous people. So that's what I've decided. I want to dedicate my career and my life to doing.
0: That's fantastic. I can't wait to see where that goes. Um, But thank you you for congratulations again. And and thanks for spending a few minutes with us.
1: Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. And uh, looking forward to maybe more conversations about all the cool things that will be happening in the future.
0: Yeah, for sure. enjoyed that interview. What a cool story, right? Can't wait to follow her and see where she's going to go now. All right, a couple of announcements. First, don't forget, Gathering of Nations powwow is coming up in just a few weeks, and we will be streaming it live. We are so excited to be back in person in in Albuquerque for the 2022 Gathering of Nations. Be sure to follow along with all what's going on over at powwows.com. All right, this week's trivia question is... What year did Gathering of Nations start? That's a tough one. See if you can find out what year did Gathering of Nations start. You can head over to www.powelllife.com and enter our form there for your chance at this week's prize pack. I'll draw in, draw from all the correct entries next week. I want to say a special shout out and thank you to all our, our supporters over on our Patreon. You can join them at www.powellnation.com. These folks are the Booster Club of powwows.com, and they are making sure that we can produce incredible content, get out there, stream more powwows, and really continue to grow powwows.com. So thank you. Thank you so much for being a patron. If you are, we really appreciate that support. And I'd love to have you join that community. We're doing some cool things over there at our Patreon. So come check it out over at www.powwownation.com. Again, I'm Paul Gatter I am the founder of powwows.com and the host of this podcast. Thank you for joining us again this week, and I hope to see you next time on another episode. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to the PowWow Life podcast from powwows.com. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to get notified of our next episode. Find a powwow near you by visiting www dot powells dot com forward slash calendar support powells dot com by visiting www dot powernation dot Look, here's this week's trivia question. You can head over to powwalllife.com to fill out the form and submit your answer. All the right answers are entered into a drawing for a 10-sticker powwalls.com sticker pack. Here's the question. This year, we are celebrating a big milestone. We have been live streaming for a number of years. So tell me, what year was the first year we streamed and what was the first powwow we streamed?